the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our security and our salvation is not dependent upon human effort, but it's grounded on the gracious, sovereign power and promise of God. I like that word, promise. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and it's my privilege to present this uh, daily uh, devotional study to you from this station at this same time. We'd love to know that you're listening. Would you just uh, go to our website and let us know that? It's studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Speaking of our relationship with God, there are those who teach that that bond is pretty fragile and could be broken at any time. And for me, that is a very scary thought because the consequences, well, they're eternal. The forgiveness of our sins is gone. God is gone. Our salvation is gone if we slip or let go. But Christ gives us several realities about our relationship with God. First off, it says we are his sheep. And it is his job as the good shepherd to protect the sheep of his flock. Jesus said, this is the will of him who sent me that Of all he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. I lose nothing, not one. That is Jesus who takes responsibility for protecting and caring for his sheep. And he's not going to lose one. And to suggest that someone might have been a sheep and got lost is to impugn Christ. It's to say he's not really a good shepherd, he's an incompetent shepherd. Second, Jesus tells us that his sheep hear only his voice and follow only him. Which means that a true sheep is not going to listen to a stranger and be lured away from the fold. Third, Christ's sheep have eternal life. And to speak of an eternal life ending is a contradiction in terms. Then it wouldn't be eternal. Now the important thing to understand is not just eternal in terms of duration but it's also abundant in terms of satisfaction. If we had nothing to look forward to but duration, it would not be heaven. Eternal boredom is not heaven. But Jesus not only offers us eternal in terms of duration, but abundant life, which brings satisfaction. So if I can describe it in this fashion, day after day throughout all eternity, we're going to look forward to the next day. And then fourth, Jesus says that no false shepherd, those are the thieves and the robbers referred to in verse 1, or false prophets, symbolized by the wolf in verse 12, or the devil or his organization is powerful enough to snatch the sheep out of Jesus' hand. And then finally, Jesus tells us we're not only in his hand, but we're also in the hand of the Father who is greater than all, and thus no one is able to snatch us out of his hand either. So it's one of the precious things about our 
Christian faith that our continuance in salvation is not dependent upon our feeble hold on Christ, but his firm grasp on us. Now, we need to observe here that it does not say that believers are going to be saved from earthly disasters. But we will be saved no matter what disaster may be false. Now, you notice the sequence of Jesus' thought. Jesus' miracles bear witness to who he is, but that witness is only received by and appreciated by the sheep, his sheep. And those sheep are eternally safe. No one can take them out of his hand, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. Now, the justification for those two statements together is the unity between Father and Son. The Father and Son jointly guarantee the salvation of true believers. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And the Greek word for one speaks of one substance, not one person. We as Christians understand uh, the Trinity. The, the Hebrew word for one is a word ikad. It means singularity and plurality coexisting simultaneously. Singularity and plurality coexisting simultaneously. It's a reference to the Trinity. The scriptures say that God is one. But we know that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we had hints that there was more than one person in God. Because in the Old Testament, God allowed his conversations with himself to be recorded for our benefit. For instance, in Genesis chapter 1, first chapter, first book, about verse 26, verse 28, God said, let us make man in our image. This is a conversation God is having with himself. He, notice what God says, let us. Is us singular or plural? It's plural. Make man in our is our singular or plural? Image. Let us make man in our image. So you have this conversation, and a conversation takes place throughout the Old Testament. It's not until the New Testament at a specific event that we know that God is a trinity. And that event is the baptism of Jesus Christ, where for the first time in Scripture we have all three present at the same place at the same time. Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. And a voice out of heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is one and there are three distinct persons. The Hebrew word, by the way, is used to describe a, uh, a cluster of grapes. One cluster of grapes, but there's individual grapes in the cluster. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I and the Father are one. We're one. Now there's a teaching that some people are saying today that Jesus really never claimed to be God. Well, if you come across the opportunity to help someone learn the truth, point them right here at this chapter. Because here, Jesus very clearly says, I and the Father are one. Now, the Jewish people understood very clearly what Jesus was claiming. He was claiming to be God. That's why they picked up stones to stone him. Because according to the law... Blasphemy was to be punished by stoning. 
Leviticus chapter 24. But this was a mob, and they weren't going to follow due process. They weren't going to gather evidence and present it before the magistrates and follow any kind of due process. They were going to be the prosecutors, they were going to be the judge, and they were going to be the executioners right then, right there, right now. But before they could throw their stones... Jesus answered them, saying, verse 32, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Jews answered him, it's not for good works or good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, you notice how calm and courageous Jesus is. He didn't run away. There's no sign of fear. There's this calm in the face of his opponent's murderous rage. And he asked this question, I showed many good works from the Father for which of them are you stoning me? And Jesus here was not softening or withdrawing from his claim at being God. Now, if he had not intended to say, I am the Father one, I am God, then this would have been a great opportunity for Jesus to say something like, wait, 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 let's, let's talk about this. You misunderstood what I was trying to say here. Let's put the stones down, boys. But that's not what Jesus said at all. He didn't soften or withdraw his claim to be God. And the enraged Jews, they weren't going to be deterred by any miracles. They brushed those aside. They said, this is not... It's not for good works that we stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Their minds were already made up. They, they refused to even consider the possibility that his claim might be true. And by the way, in this gospel, this is the first occasion in which the charge of blasphemy is leveled against Jesus. And ironically, far from being a mere man who was arrogantly promoting himself as God, Jesus was, in fact, God who had humbled himself, become a man, so he could bring salvation for all who believe. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, it's not, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken, that's a statement of Jesus about the inerrancy uh, and power of Scripture. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated... And sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, you don't believe what I'm saying, you don't believe my claims, believe the works, the miracles, the signs, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So he recognized how seriously the Jews took this claim of a title, God. And so he addressed them by quoting an Old Testament passage. Now, it's important for you to, to know that, uh, what, 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 it, what is really intended by what Jesus said here. And I'll, I'll explain more as we continue. Jesus quotes from Psalm 82. It's a short uh, psalm. You might want to note it, look at it later. Let me read it for you. It, it says, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of God's he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of God's. He holds judgment. And he's reprimanding these 
human judges that are not doing their job to represent God justly and perform God's justice. And he refers to these unjust human judges as gods. Note, with a little g. Have you been taking notes? That's what it feels like to me. Uh, Not just a Bible study, but actually a deep theological study you might find at a Christian school somewhere, a Christian college. This is an outreach called Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, right here in the Bay Area. And you can find out more about the church and all that's going on there when you go to the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This ministry is on the web at studyversebyverse.com. And of course, if you've missed any of these past studies in the book of John, you can find them right there and listen to them. That's studyversebyverse.com. We're also a nonprofit outreach of the church and uh, are supported in part by your contributions, those of you who listen and appreciate the teaching from Pastor Leighton Sheely. Again, that website where you can give to the ministry is studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us today. Come back tomorrow if you can at this same time when Pastor Layton will open the Word of God again and help us study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.